can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. After our um, origin story of the anus add-on episode, I got an inbox message from someone and she just said, a word of advice. I was listening to your podcast yesterday about your at-home laser and the anus add-on. Well, years ago, I was getting laser and I kept my G-string on as the beautician was just moving it when needed. That's a bit weird. Yeah. I then had the anus add-on. However, the laser must have touched the G-string and caught on fire. No joke. I I, I, I had no joke. I had a burnt, you can figure that out, tread with caution. Oh, my goodness. That is why you shouldn't be wearing a G-string during that Um, treatment. Yes. That therapist would have got in a bit of trouble for that. (laughs) And then I have another really funny thing that, because I think people Mm -hmm. obviously love our anus add-on chats. Yeah. I always get sent a lot of content (laughs) when it comes to anus add-ons. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, some, some girl tweeted. I went to the bar in my scrubs last night and this dude paid for my tab because he thought I was a nurse during a pandemic. Sir, I laser booty holes for a living. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that though. She deserved the drink just as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, that's me. That's where we're at with the anus add-on. All right. Yeah. What's on today's episode, Hannah? So on today's episode, we are talking about morning breath. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's really um, (laughs) relevant to my mask wearing when I go and get my coffee in the morning (laughs) without brushing my teeth. Um, Then we're talking to Dr. Shimala Gunathesan, and we are talking to her about feet. Really? Toenails? Nails. Feet? No, nails. Sorry, we're talking. You were in the interview. (laughs) (laughs) And then the products that we didn't know we needed. So, Hannah, I feel like this was cut out of the episode where we were talking about mask knee, but you said to me in that recording, you were like, yeah, I don't brush my teeth. You said something about how bad your breath is in the morning when you have your mask, and I was like, brush your teeth. And you were like, no, I go down to the coffee shop and I wear my mask down there and I breathe in my own breath. I was like, well, I, I, That's disgusting. <laughs> okay, so there's one thing that every man listening who wants to date me, because there's heaps of you out there, mm. there's one thing that you need to know about me. I cannot get up or start my morning or have sex or do anything Mm. in the morning, like literally anything, like speak without a coffee. What I've taken to in the mornings on like a Sunday when I like can't get out of bed, I Uber a coffee to my house. You don't. That's how bad it's gotten. Oh, that's such a waste of money. Do you pay like $5 delivery for that? I mean, usually I'll order like a toasty as well, but Okay. Oh yeah. Semi worth it then. (laughs) But anyway, morning breath, which I know Hannah, you will be familiar with dealing with but this was another one that would just kept coming up in cringy combos that people wanted us to talk about so we thought we would just discuss it because 
yeah, I feel like everyone has gone through this at some point in their life where they've had an embarrassing moment with morning breath. Hannah? I don't understand people who have sex in the morning without brushing their teeth. Like, I don't get that. I think there should be maybe a mutual agreement between both parties. Like, we're going to get out of bed now and we're both going to go and brush our teeth. Who wants to have that, like, a fluffy tongue, like, darting (laughs) in their mouth? Seriously. So I want to explain because I looked up, I actually found an explanation of morning breath on Colgate. So I was like, that's going to be legit. Are they going to slide into our DMs after this? I hope so. So they explain (laughs) that morning breath is a form of bad breath known medically as halitosis, I think it's pronounced. So Mm -hmm. according to the American Dental Association, lousy breath typically begins from the bacteria in your mouth. And I think I already knew this, but it says, as you sleep, food particles collect between your teeth on the tongue and along the gum line. So your mouth breaks down the bacteria particles which leaves that foul smelling chemical in your mouth Mm -hmm. and that's what produces the bad smell there could be a few different things that could cause this so that includes food which you like garlic don't you like me i love garlic love garlic onion and spices as well can do that too oh yeah so you might, might wake up after you've had garlic or onion or something really strong and notice that your breath is worse. Dry mouth as well, which is just a kind of condition which decreases saliva production. Neglecting oral care, so not brushing your teeth or flossing, which, I mean, surely probably wouldn't be sleeping with someone that has horrific oral hygiene, I wouldn't have thought. Tobacco, which we've spoken about in a previous episode. What did Dr. Lucinda say? Your vagina smokes with you. Mm. So does your mouth. So um, mm, that interesting. can lead to really lousy morning breath. And medications as well can result in dry mouth, which, as we've discussed previously, can also lead to worse morning breath. But there are a few ways to – how would you avoid it? Like if you're in a situation where you have someone sleeping over, Hannah, because I know you have a lot of friends sleep over. I haven't had a friend sleep over in a really long time. So I'm going to have to cast my mind back to, <laughs> a, a, to <laughs> another, another lifetime. Yeah. Um, oh, look, to be honest, as you know, because of my sleep problems, I'm not really a sleep over, right? You're not. Yeah, you usually keep Yeah, so look, they usually have to leave or I leave. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why nothing ever, ever sticks really. Well, Colgate have some tips on how to Great. prevent morning breath. And this is usually my strategy is making sure I have a glass of water next to the bed because drinking mm. water before you go to sleep or um, having it next to your bed as you wake up thirsty can help get rid of that bacteria in your mouth so that the morning breath isn't as bad. As we discussed, the strong smelling foods, avoid that if you're trying to avoid morning breath and black tea or coffee before bed and Mm -hmm. obviously not smoking. But other ways that you can deal with it is an antiseptic mouthwash. And then this one is really relevant to us, a tongue scraper. Oh, yeah. You know how we've got that, what's that brand with black chicken? Have the tongue scraper. Yes. Heaps of people in our team swear by tongue scraping and I've never done it, but I'm going to start because I just feel like that there must be something amazing to it because they all rave about it. And then gum and mints, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Having gum or mints in your bag. I always have mints with me. Where do you keep your gums and your mints? In my bag. Oh, so I keep them in. This is going to sound really weird. I keep them in my my cutlery drawer. 
Why? <laughs> I have no idea. That doesn't seem very practical. I just, I keep them in my cutlery drawer. I have some in my car too. Okay. Well, I keep yeah. the Listerine. Yeah. I've got them in my cutlery drawer because it's been okay. so long that I wouldn't even need them beside my yes. bed. Oh, yep. look, I may, I may as well keep my condoms in my cutlery drawer at this point. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Well, we hope that if you um, have come across morning breath yourself or you're dealing with someone that has morning breath and doesn't have the etiquette to go and brush their teeth, maybe you can just put this episode on in the background and they'll Mm. hear it and they might take the hint because telling someone they have bad breath is actually really hard unless you know them super well and you know that it's not going to be super offensive like if you've been in a long relationship you can probably say to that person like you stink Mm. but if it's new you can't really say that because you'd probably never they'd never forget it so I think that the dental hygiene is probably because I remember we did that episode really early on with Dr D yeah I remember him saying like dental hygiene is like number one just even to the overall health of your mouth yeah yeah to prevent all sorts of things I do feel like that's one thing I'm pretty obsessed about You know what comes up a lot, though? Things that people are attracted to is teeth. Mm. What is it about teeth? Like if someone has nice teeth, I will just stare at their teeth. I say that to you all the time, don't I? I love your teeth. Yeah, see, we're the opposite. I like teeth with with a bit of character. Yeah, see, I like your teeth. They're perfect. Like I like, I mean, I think all teeth are nice, but I do like teeth with a bit of character. And I think my Mm. mum, for example, she didn't have braces and so she's got like Nice teeth, but they've got like a little bit of character, which I think looks really nice. I think smile is a big thing for people when they're attracted to someone. So I guess that kind of relates back to this topic. But anyway, that's bad breath. Morning breath, I should say. And all you people that are having sex with morning breath at the moment, <laughs> I am jealous. We don't want to hear actually. it. <laughs> like I never, I never thought I'd be jealous and say I'm jealous of you all having sex with bad morning breath, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Today's guest is joining us from Sinclair Dermatology in Melbourne. Dr. Shamala Gunathesan is joining us. She's a dermatologist and she is here to talk to us about all things nails. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm very excited to talk about nails because it's one of my favorite topics. We've spoken with a podiatrist before about both of our experiences with fungal toenails, which I think we're both on top of now, Hannah. What are the most common nail concerns that you see in patients as a dermatologist? So I guess, you know, I would say the top concern would be fungal nail infections or colonization where the nail can get a bit crumbly. It doesn't grow as well. It's got a color change to it. But another probably commonish presentation is probably just something called onycholysis where the nail just lifts off. We particularly see this in the fingernails. Um, it can be from trauma, moisture getting trapped underneath the nail plate and the nails kind of don't seal well down onto your nail bed. And that can give you like a secondary candidal infection. I would also see this condition called um, lateral malalignment of the big toenails, where you get this horseshoe-like growth on your nail plate. And it's kind of mistaken as a fungal infection, but it's really an abnormality of the, the nail matrix growing out wrongly or differently. And obviously, we, we can't negate the commonness of psoriasis, which is an inflammatory condition that can present with nail changes. And you would probably see little pits in your nails. You could see ridging. You could see lifting of the nail plate too. That onycholysis is kind of a sign sometimes that can be due to underlying psoriasis. 
as a nail specialist, I would see changes around the nail bed or the skin around the nail presenting to us also. So there's a huge kind of range of conditions. And and I guess this program is really interesting because the everyday person doesn't think that dermatologists are the nail specialists. Mm. You know, we work together well with podiatrists, but we are the most knowledgeable about nail conditions. Mm -hmm. Can you um, explain the nail matrix to us and how that contributes to nail health and growth? So the nail matrix is really where the nail grows from. So it's not really the edge of the nail plate itself. It starts near the nail fold where your fingernail has the cuticle. It kind of is right underneath there. That's your growth plate, as we call it, which is the nail matrix. So you want to be quite gentle with looking after your nails because sometimes damage to the nail matrix can give you permanent changes to your nail plate. Well, for years, one of my thumbs had what my friends called a gorilla nail. The whole nail was just horizontal ridges the whole way across. What can cause ridges to form on the nails? Because I ended up finding out that it was probably like a nervous tick that I was like picking at my cuticles without realizing and that that was probably causing the ridges. Well, absolutely, because you've probably kind of picked away at your nail matrix Mm. where that cuticle area is. So you've kind of micro-traumatized or done damage to the nail plate. So the nail plate will not grow out straight. The technical term is like a habit tick or Heller's nails dystrophy. So that is where you get this gorilla kind of changes or a fern-shaped change due to trauma. So right. picking, sometimes injury, you know, you drop something on your on your nails and you kind of permanently damage the nail matrix. Mm, I thought for a long time it was from slamming my fingernail in a door, but then it never grew out. It just kept growing that way. And I thought, why is this happening? And then I stopped picking. I like consciously stopped picking at it and it went away. <laughs> yeah. Because we do, we, you know, we scratch or pick to soothe ourselves, you know. Yeah. So it becomes that habit tick, as you said. Yeah. I imagine that's quite a common thing for people to pick away at the sides of their cuticles, is it? Mm, especially when it's dry. I feel like there's a nidus to pick if, you're, if your cuticles are a bit dry or frayed, um, you've got something to hold on to and you kind of pick and then you're trapped in that cycle. So a good nail mm. cream is very important. I don't know if you do this, Joe, but I'm an anxious picker of the side of my nails and, like, I yeah. can do it until they bleed. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> like, I've got to stop doing I don't know how to stop doing it, though, but I just keep picking at it until it's like, oh, what have I done? Like, it's- You know what really changed the game for me was using a cuticle oil so that they were really soft. Like, there was nothing for uh... me to pick at. I think when you get those little, you know, pieces of skin that start to lift, you're so tempted to pick at them, but I don't get that now, so I... I don't do it. That's my. That's been my game changer. If you're prone to constantly brittle, weak, peeling nails like I am, how can you treat those concerns? Well, I think the first thing to probably address would be how you're looking after your hands. You know, good hand hygiene, which is using soap-free washes, you know, a quick rinse under the tap, pat dry. If you've got brittle nails, I wouldn't actually aggressively dry your hands too much, you know, so a nice soft towel to kind of wipe the edges and then moisturize either with a good um, urea-based moisturizer, which traps moisture or a cuticle oil. There has been some research about biotin supplementation. So certain vitamins like biotin, zinc, silica do kind of strengthen your nail plate. 
So that's something to look into. I sometimes feel, you know, nail health can be a marker of your internal well-being. So, you know, have a good gut health, sleep well. That general wellness would help with your nails growing stronger. Can it also be a genetic thing? Because a lot of people, I like to put my nail art on my Instagram stories. And a lot of people say, is that your real nail? How do you get like long nails? And I think I've just always had relatively strong nails. And my mum always did until she got older. And she started to notice that hers would like crack and peel. Do they change with age as well? As you get older, does the health of your nails change? Yes. Like any part of your body, aging is not it doesn't spare any part of your body. So like hormonal fluctuations, dietary changes, certain medications, but certainly aging is a factor with how strong your nail plate will be. Mm -hmm. And you did mention um, biotin, which I take in the Beauty Chef Glow supplement, but do you recommend any other supplements? Like does collagen work for nail strength? Is there any evidence to suggest that supplements can impact nail health? It's a tricky thing with supplements because the, the party line is that, you know, supplements are probably of minimal effect if you've got a good healthy diet. But most of us can benefit from some amount of supplementation. And certainly there is research out there with biotin, silica, zinc, vitamin D, that these can be, you know, short fixes or, or long-term fixes. With collagen, you know, we are getting more and more evidence of its beneficial effect to the skin. And if you think about it, the nail is an extension of our skin, so there should be no reason why it wouldn't be helpful. So I'm a big fan of nail strengtheners. And Joe, you mentioned before you love cuticle oils. I actually use the OPI Nail Envy and I personally swear by it and think it really works. What are your thoughts on nail strengtheners and cuticle oils? I'm a big fan of cuticle oils because they hydrate the skin around the nail and also the nail plate. But nail hardeners, provided you're not allergic to the components of it, I think they do strengthen the bulk of your nail plate. Where I might have an issue as a dermatologist would be the use of too much acrylics or, you know, gel extensions, more so with the removal process can be quite traumatizing to the nail plate. Joe and I had a conversation the other week about nail fungal and we had read online and it was probably good that we're speaking to a dermatologist about it, but I had had shellac on my toes for so long. I didn't even know there was fungus growing there. And I think I read online that a dermatologist had said keeping SNS or shellac on for so long, you don't actually know what's going under the nail bed. And that can actually, that's probably not a good thing. I, I completely agree with that. Firstly, for skin surveillance, nail surveillance, because we do get very rarely skin cancers of our nails. So unless you're actually looking at a clean nail that's not been polished on, how are you going to pick up any brown streaks or red dots or changes that way? It's interesting because with shellac and, and certain gel extensions, the acetone that removes the product can actually weaken your nail and give you white-like changes. And it may not actually be a fungus. We actually think it might just be weakening of the nail plate due to the acetone. So I always say not everything that changes color on your nail is a fungus. So to get a proper diagnosis is key before you commit to long-term antifungals or um, before you ignore a skin cancer change, God forbid, you know what I mean? Mm. While we're on the topic of nail enhancements like, you know, gels and SNS, apart from the acetone side of it and the removal side, is there any negatives to using, you know, to having nail services like that? Well, you know, it looks beautiful. I can understand why you'd want it. <laughs> it's hard because I think with acrylic nails, the, the removal pit is a bit tricky with how they drill it. 
But if you're allergic to acrylics or glues, then you you don't just get nail issues. You know, you might get dermatitis or eczema of your eyelids, your chin, you know, when you touch your face, things like that. But for the average person that's not allergic to substances, I see no no real detriment. There has been this thing about whether the UV hardening bit where you actually put your nails to dry in an LED lamp or a UV lamp, whether that can cause skin cancer. We can we can safely say the risk is very low, but I still get all my patients and clients to just, you know, wear sunscreen in the back of your hands or a fingerless glove when you're quickly drying your varnish or your or your gel polish under the lamp. That's the smart thing to do. But I would say overall it's pretty risk free. Mm, yeah, really good tip. I didn't think of that point, the UV lamp. That's a good point. Are there any other major no-nos when it comes to nail care? Ooh, yes, pushing your cuticle down too much. I think that's a big no-no. We we've got this little moon-shaped kind of picture or coloring at the uh, at our proximal nail fold where, you know, that's considered beautiful, but as part of that you end up having to push the cuticle down too much. And that can, you know, give rise to trauma, inflammation, something called perinicia, where you get little swollen area around your nail plate. So I think pushing cuticle down as much as it's a vanity thing, it's unhealthy. There's a reason why your cuticle's there to kind of act as a barrier for all the pathogens that could come in. Don't keep your nails too long because then you've got more of a lifting action going on. If you think about it, your fulcrum's now moved, your center pivot point. So you've got more damage, you've got more that condition called onycholysis where your nail plate lifts off. So you get more water, moisture, bugs underneath. And 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 look at your nails, you know, look after your hands, I think, with the right moisturizer, not using too harsh chemicals and giving your nails some polish-free or gel-free time just makes sense. I've noticed a few people in isolation who may have been doing more cooking than they used to have experienced a few knife injuries with their nails, yeah, particularly that someone me. that's also yeah, in that this was, oh, So that nail <laughs> is still, I sliced into my nail halfway through and it just hasn't God. been the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a cooking injury. <laughs> I just had one really quick question at the end because Joe and I have talked about nail fungus so much and we haven't actually asked a dermatologist about the, you know, I, I've gone down to Chemist Warehouse and got that nail polish. The Rejuvenail. The Rejuvenail and it was going to take six to 12 months. To, is, is it really that long a process to, I guess, you know, if you've got mild fungus underneath your like toes yes so they're diff i guess there are different types of fungus you know how deep it is whether it's superficial but yeah if you my usual spiel for anyone kind of doing that topical option i say this has to become your hobby mm. you're gonna have to enjoy painting this on you know once or twice a day mm. and the reason why they do tell you it's six to twelve months it takes that long for your nail to grow out mm. yeah you would hope that with the most superficial infection you get there quicker, but do not give up because you really want to treat it until that new bit of nail is completely fungus free. Mm. Yeah, Hannah, I removed my toenail polish the other day. I think my fungus may have resurfaced. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm going to have oh, to no. get back on the rejuvenail. Oh, the, the other tip that I read, I did a lot of research online trying to fix it and um, <laughs> I probably should have just spoken to a dermatologist. <laughs> And another thing that it said was cut the nail as far down as you can so that there's nowhere for the fungus to grow. 
Myth or fact? No, I think it makes sense because you want to reduce the reservoir of fungal elements. So the less snail that's colonized, the better. So cutting it flush with your skin makes sense. And, you know, it depends too. Sometimes you get, if you get a greenish, yellowish coloration, I think a discoloration of your nail plate, it may not be fungus. It could be this bacteria called Pseudomonas which you can read up on it, it gives you that greenish discoloration. And that one responds pretty well to good old-fashioned dilute vinegar soaks, you know, one one part dash of vinegar, 10 parts water, you dunk your nails in a little teacup or a basin for 10 to 15 minutes. And you do that for, you know, a month or two, and that will kind of kill that particular bacteria, which tends to be a secondary colonizer, which gives you that manky green yellow look. So that's a goodie, I think. Oh, wow. Are there any other at-home remedies you can share? <laughs> Ooh, um, I think we've tried to experiment with apple cider vinegar. It works with any kind of vinegar. The other thing, of course, is tea tree for kind of fungal infections of the skin between the toes. You want to go super dilute, like really dilute, or maybe even not sometimes because tea tree allergy can be a real drama. My other tip with just preventing fungal colonization would be when you have a shower, make sure you dry between the toes. You know, I put my hairdryer on a on a low setting cold so that it just kind of dries out that whole area because fungus loves moisture. Mm, wow, that's very extra drying your toes <laughs> with a, a hairdryer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone listening has any nail concerns and they want to go and see a dermatologist, you can see Dr. Shamala Gornathesan at Sinclair Dermatology in Melbourne. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. It was so much fun. Who knew nails could be so much fun with two girls? <laughs> exactly. It's so much fun. <laughs> and stop picking. Just stop picking anything. Stop picking. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Great tip. <laughs> product we didn't know we needed, Hannah. You want to talk about Christmas already and we're only in October. So I just love like limited edition. I'm like a real sucker for limited edition and Mm -hmm. our limited edition holiday has landed on Adore Beauty and I'm, as you know, obsessed with like fragrance, like candles. I actually saw this meme and I thought this was quite relevant to this this is a, someone's tweet. I light so many candles and drink so much red wine. I'm essentially three chants away from creating a seance at any time. So that's me at the moment with my candles, mm-hmm. obsessed with candles. And so I know this, you'll love this, is the Glasshouse Taha fragrance. Mm. I think that's your favourite, right? Oh, I've got a few different favourites. Taha's probably in my top 10, but I've got quite a few Glasshouse favourites. Kyoto's right up there for me. But anyway, so yeah, you'll, you'll see all of the limited edition candles coming in on the side. The Glasshouse ones go so bloody quickly as well. So if you love the Night Before Christmas one, that one always sells out like way in advance. So make sure you get onto it. I bought a jumbo one last year and I still haven't opened it because I haven't got through the last one. So (laughs) I need to start burning that one. That one's actually live. So they've got, they've got the bird Night Before Christmas in the 60 gram, but then there's also the Taha bauble in 30 grams and that's only $15. That's such a good KK gift. Such a good KK gift. But also the reason I wanted to also shout out is because I'm actually doing an Instagram live that will also be on our IGTV at Adore Beauty on Instagram. And I'm doing Mm. like my roundup of like candles and fragrances. And so if you're looking for gifts for people in the coming months, which you probably will be. 
I think scent is going to be the thing that we're going to be buying everyone this Christmas because mm-hmm. people are at home and they need more candles. Yeah, so, everyone needs a candle. So I just wanted to shout out to that because I'd really like some engagement. Yeah, um, <laughs> Anna doesn't want to be there talking to herself. I don't want to be talking <laughs> to sure myself. Make sure <laughs> Yeah, so check it out on the IGTV. You'll see my face and I'll be talking all about candles and scents and fragrances and fun stuff. So... I'll see you there. Give it a like, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, talking about likes, we never actually spoke about the social dilemma. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. And I kind of was underwhelmed. Everyone was like, it's so interesting. I'm like, I've known Google was watching me for the last like five years. (laughs) What are you guys so surprised about? Yeah. I'm like, I don't really care. Yeah. I'm like, like Google knows I'm lonely. Like I get it. Like they know I'm lonely. (laughs) But on the topic of them following you, sometimes that can actually be really beneficial. As I said in a couple of episodes ago, I was listening to the Lighthouse podcast and they Mm -hmm. used Google to track all of his movements so that they could work out when he was using his phone. They could see Mm -hmm. when he was using his maps. All of that stuff is so interesting. So sometimes it can be used for good. Sometimes it's just used to target you with really random ads. Your wish ads. Like my wish ads, which are definitely not based on my searches. I can tell you that much. I was wondering, like every time you show your wish ads, I'm like, what are you searching for, Joe? It's definitely wish does not base their ads on targeting at all. (laughs) I swear I'm not searching three foot dildos, I promise. (laughs) So my product I didn't know I needed today is a bargain product because I'm always talking about bougie stuff. So I thought I would drop in a bargain product, which I'm really loving. So quite a few weeks ago, we did a masterclass with Carla Dyson and L'Oreal Paris, and we got this set of products to use in the masterclass. And one of those products was the Lash Paradise Mascara by L'Oreal. And I'd never used this mascara before. I'd seen it on the site and I'd seen other people use it in videos and like rave about it. But when I actually opened it and I saw the brush, I was like, this is the exact kind of mascara that I go for. So the brush is really fluffy and it kind of, it reminds me of a past mascara I've used. And I can't remember if it's the Dior one, but it is a really fluffy brush and it gives a lot of volume and length to the lashes. And I find it keeps them lifted all day, which I really struggle with. My lashes are really fine. And I find if I wear something too heavy, then they go really flat and they kind of like, they get to the point where they almost cover over my eyes because they fall so much. So if you struggle with that, I would definitely get a lash curler. I'm using the model rock one at the moment, which I bought recently because I needed to replace my old 15 year old one. So I bought that lash curler. I tried this new mascara. I was like, oh, match made in heaven. And it's only $24.95. So I just feel like mascara, as we've said before, don't you reckon mascara is one of those things that you can get a bit cheaper because you need to throw it out so often? Yeah. Like you don't want to buy, like I loved the Dior mascara, but I didn't want to keep buying that because it's over like $50. And I don't want to have to throw that out every three or four months. So using a bargain mascara, I think, is definitely a good option if you can find a good one. There's heaps of good ones. Maybelline have a few good ones. Laura Paris have a few good ones. Any other brands you can think of that have a really good mascara? Well, the only thing I will say on the mascara side of things is that if I am going out and going to have a sweaty night, I do need that tubing mascara from Estee Lauder. So I do like yes. to invest. So it just depends, I think. But I, I think that L'Oreal Paris Paradise Mascara is 
amazing. Yep. If you've got oily skin or you're a little bit sweatier and you find that you have issues with transfer of mascaras, then I would suggest maybe investing a little bit more in a mascara. But if you generally Mm. don't have any issues with Pandora's or anything like that, then I think this would probably be a really good option. So that's my PWD KWN. That's us done for another week, I think. Hannah, I'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.